0: Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf. He has already turned down the Steelers seven times now to be their general manager because he just enjoys doing the spot on this show, Neil It's
1: It's easier. It's better for my health. It's better for my family. You know, I, I, I can't do everything. I can only do one job at a time, and this is the one I have. I'm happy with that.
0: And we're thrilled that you choose us over <coughs> them every time. <laughs> uh, evidently, they're going to view Lewis Riddick for the job. Um, what's your thought on that? Because obviously they have already internal candidates. But what about this?
1: Um, here's the thing. I, I'm probably going to be the only media type that will say this. I don't know enough about Lewis Riddick to say one way or another. Mm -hmm. I know um, he's very popular in social media. I know that he's on Monday Night Football. I think he does a pretty good job. I can't say I know intimately and uniquely what it takes to be the general manager of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Because of that, I don't know about Lewis Riddick any more than I know about anybody else, short of the internal candidates, which is, you know, you're aware of them uh, from their work internally. I don't know whether Lewis Riddick can do the job or not. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody else is really going to cop to that either, to be honest with you. It's right. not a, a role that uh, comes readily made. Not to mention, um, I, I can't think of another word for this, the, the, the complication of the presence of an 18-year, highly successful head coach, mm-hmm. um, that changes your typical scope of what the general manager would be overseeing they're not bringing in Kevin Colbert and his 20-plus twenty, years, 20 plus years of experience right. as a general manager with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mike Tomlin came in in the middle of Kevin Colbert's tenure, and eventually it kind of rose to a point where they were probably more or less on, on equal footing. I don't know whether Tomlin reported to Colbert or Rooney. I don't think they would release that information outside. But what I know is whoever the next general manager of the Pittsburgh Steelers is Mike Tomlin's not going to be reporting to that person. (laughs) right? So with that, it changes the scope of what we would think a general manager would do. Mm -hmm. Um, Typically it's, it's not just this, but they're overseeing the administrative staff. They're overseeing the scouting staff, Mm -hmm. the personnel staff, uh, which is football. I would think Tomlin would kind of be seen as he's going to take the football stuff. Mm -hmm. You run the scouting stuff. We are, you know, collaboratively, going to come up with what our philosophy is for this team and they're going to scout. You're going to take care of, of the organization of all that. He's going to worry about the pro scouting stuff and what's on the field. And this will all blend together. I I would think just from an organizational structure perspective, that's what they would want to do. Dollars come into that as well. Uh, General managers have a real wide range of salaries. It really depends on what they're being asked to do, uh, what their job description is knowing the Steelers and because this is sort of the way that they do things, maybe not so much with with Colbert but uh, he was the youngest GM in the league but he certainly wasn't the oldest either when he came yeah. in so right. you, you kind of think that they have their eye their eyes on uh, expansion within the role let's start them off let's show them the steeler way let's let's build them up and and we'll come together with that um, I would think with that it kind of suggests probably you know maybe a little bit younger than older but they're not going to come in uh, the, the top dog of the organization. With that, that means they're not going to pay him, you know, market rate for that position. It's probably going to come in a little bit under, and maybe that might influence uh, somebody's decision one way or another. I would say this, in all fairness, and with all due respect to Lewis Riddick, he's in no position to ask for top dollar as a general manager, so maybe there's something to that. Um, you know, it, I, I can see cost being something of an issue, especially when – Tomlin is already being paid substantially and he probably uh, has better insight and should have better insight into the football piece of it than the new general manager will. So uh, I'm not, I'm, I'm talking a long way around calling it, you know, kind of bargain shopping, but I, if anything, I think Riddick might represent that uh, perhaps more than anything else, but I, I don't think, to, to be blunt, I would be very, very surprised if Lewis Riddick right. got the job. It right. doesn't mean that there is not a role for him anywhere. I just I don't think he would be the best
0: candidate that they could find. But they also have an internal candidate they're taking a long look at. Two
1: of them, and right. they should, because the, the, between Brandon Hunt and Omar Khan, these are are two guys who have have come up through the organization. Um, they started off at certain levels and have earned promotions. They have decision making ability and and authority uh, within the organization. And they're used to them. They understand the structure. They know what Colbert does better than anybody does. So, to me, there, there's a natural, you know, path of continuity here, which not only makes a ton of sense from a business perspective, it also happens to be modus operandi for the Steelers. They they love internal <laughs> candidates. You know, we're, we're seeing that more and more. So, I, I think it, it still makes the most sense that either Hunt or Khan would be that the primary people that they're looking at, but it does make a lot of sense uh, for them to, to cast a wide net and try to, to you know, field as many uh, candidate interviews uh, as they can just to see what's out there. And, and who knows, build a, a connection with somebody that you really liked but the job wasn't right for them at this time. Something comes up down the line that, that fits a lot better. You're bringing that person in off the speed of the interview uh, for one of these jobs they probably aren't you know, the best person for right now.
0: Alright, so now let's get to the um, Super Bowl itself. Uh, and that, you know, it's going to be Sunday. So right away, what are, what's a factor or two that stands out to you in this game that could be swing factors?
1: I think and it's this this is it's not exactly empirical. I just, I, I, I picked the Rams to win the Super Bowl at the beginning of the year. I really thought Mm-hmm. Uh, the marriage of, of Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford would have produced uh, perhaps better offensive results than we've seen to this point. Certainly, it's working out well for Cooper Cup. Stafford hasn't played well in a couple games,
0: you no, know, he not, not. not the last
1: game. I just mean, throughout the season, right. you know, he got a couple clunkers in there, some yeah. pretty bad performances. I just feel like it, we, we've talked about this in this segment for, for many Super Bowls. That hot defensive team that comes in, it generally gets overlooked because they're playing a, a, a big name, big production offense. Defense tends to kind of have the day, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the reason I'm really kind of sitting on this, again, it's not empirical at all. Um, everyone wants to overlook Cincinnati's defense for the sake of the, the hallowed they, Joe Burrow. They
0: don't have stars. Okay. Yeah, all, they the, all, there's, there's all no
1: star power to all, them.
0: All the defensive stars in this game, Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, yep. Leonard Floyd, Von Miller, they're all on the Rams. And yet the Cincinnati Bengals might have a better defense.
1: They absolutely have a better defense. If you've watched the last two games, or at least six of the last eight quarters, you're playing the Chiefs, they're going to they're gonna get you here and there. Yeah. But look at the second half of that game. Look at the way they completely dismantled the Titans. And I'm not saying the Titans belong any further ahead this season than they finished, mm-hmm. but it's bad. I mean, the, the, the level of defense that Cincinnati put onto their opponents is pretty remarkable. Now, I'm not saying that the 2015 Broncos or anything like no, that, but of course not. It, they're, a, they're a dominant defensive team. They've showed that. What is it about the Rams that makes us think they're going to go out and drop 31 points in this game? I don't, I don't see it, and I picked the Rams to win the Super Bowl at the beginning of the year. Yeah. I think the Bengals shut them down, and to be honest with you, I think the Bengals are going to win the game. As much as I don't really want to say that, I, I think that they will. I don't trust uh, enough of what I've seen of Matthew Stafford. He's had bad series in, in each game of the playoffs to this point. Um, it, it, he didn't come up fully at, at times. He led opponents back into games. Um, pension for turnovers. They don't run the ball. They're fairly one-dimensional. I think Cincinnati can, can reduce them uh, to where they don't want to be. And if that's the case, uh, I, I see enough playmaking ability out of Cincinnati's offense to say they can win this like 22-19, one of those kinds of games. Something late happens. They get the break, frankly, the way that they have in, in three playoff games so far this year. I mean, just, they, they're that scrappy team that I think is just going to finish the job. And if they, they shouldn't. None of it makes sense. I I can't even say I would make them the favorite in the AFC North next year, but I think they have everything they need right now, and this is the right opponent for them to play at the right time. We're going to praise Joe Burrow until our our throats are sore the way that we do, but the reality is the Bengals' defense has carried this team, and I think they're going to do it again.
0: The one area from Cincinnati that worries me is I I feel the weakest unit they have is their offensive line. I know they've 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 run the ball well. Last I checked, Miller, Floyd, Gaines, nobody talks about Greg Gaines, and Donald, play on the other team's defensive line. That—that <laughs> that, that is yep. a little bit of a concern. <laughs> and
1: and one of those guys is Aaron Donald. Keep yep. that in mind. We're, Aaron, we're not talking and, about. And, you know, and Aaron he's a, a high-level guy. He's an elite, uber-level guy.
0: Aaron Donald is a great football player. Right? The only problem I've got with this game is the games on NBC, and they are going to show us Repeatedly, him in the game, and I'm just like, <laughs> I mean, no, I'm seriously. I mean, from, from I mean, somebody's got to tell them. You've got to get a clue as to what's going on. Show us That's the game. Other guys there. Other guys are there, and they, they. It was an early season game, and I can't remember where the Rams are playing. And Aaron Donald finally got a sack at the end of the game. They must have shown a 20 to 25 replays of him being blocked. All night. Look what he's doing here. Look what he's doing. What he's not close to the guy. <laughs> I don't care what they do. It's like so. Well, what? I
1: mean, look at the fact they put it, a, a tackle, a tight end, and a kickout guard mm-hmm. on Donald. Right. <laughs> that's, you know, but that's he was, how they but, stop him. They but, dedicate but, a third of their offense right. to him.
0: But you know, but the, if there were times he was singled, there were times he was singled. He didn't get there. He just didn't have a good night. And we, I don't. Yep. I, I'm like, I'm sitting there like going, "Do I have to keep watch? I wanted to watch the game, not him, All right?" And and it was a game where he didn't play well. To be honest with you, Neil, he didn't play well. He got a, he got a, he got one of those, you know, meaningless sacks at the end of the game that meant like zero to the outcome. All right? And it was like, "Hey, finally got one!" I'm gonna go. He finally got one because he just had a bad night, and they were singling him most of the time, and. I was like, yep. come on, guys. Show the game, okay? I know what you're trying to do here, and I know you own PFF, and he's your PFF darling. I got it. Like, <laughs> come on.
1: It's the point that I was going to make, it, it's uh, it, it, Donald cannot have a it, it, it,
0: here's, here's And the he's a great player. And, to- Neil, he's a great player. I, okay, I've watched a lot of football. I know a great player when I see it. He's a great player. But it's overkill.
1: That's, that's the NFL and that's football in general. As much as and it, we don't have enough time in, on, on this segment to get into to pro football focus and the impact that they've made over the last 15 years on the game. But the reality is as much as we want it to be an individual sport, it's really not. And it, 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 exactly. I don't think any part of the game stands out to prove that more than your defensive line. Now, largely because of pro football focus, we've broken defensive linemen, defensive ends, outside linebackers, edge rushers. There there are a a multitude of specialty types of positions within that front grouping now. And it does make sense. But if you look at a pass rusher, if we'll we'll take TJ Watt because he just broke it, he was unsuccessful on what, 92% of his pass rushes. Unsuccessful if we define it as, getting a sack, which I know pro football focus isn't going to. But right. the end result of a sack, he fails 92% of the time. And no one has ever sacked the quarterback more than T.J. Watt. Had. Right. So it, it's it's not about – defensive players make impacts on a few plays, only a couple right. plays, and they can just be dogs I, I, for
0: the rest well, of the game. I can give you – Donald, it's one out of every seven. So that's 14, yeah. 14%. That means 86% of the time he's not really involved in what's going on. Okay? Yep. And I'm just telling you, it it that doesn't mean he's not great. Okay? Yeah. But that's in the reality fact, it does of it. Mean that he's
1: great. right? In, in comparison to his peers. Right. peers that
0: is great. His peers aren't 14%. His no, peers are really good ones, uh, right. At 7. Right. Yeah, a lot of really good ones are 7 or 8 or 9%. So I mean 14, but again, that's a reality right there. 6 out of 7, right? Doesn't yep. figure in the play.
1: I think a, a great example of that, if we're going to tie this to the to the Steelers, as sad as it is, that, that uh, Steelers are nowhere close to this game and probably won't be for a little while. But right. the last one they played in, one of the best performances that I saw in a Super Bowl that was not from a guy carrying the ball, throwing the ball, sacking the quarterback, was Heath Miller. Oh, yeah. Heath Miller, Heath Miller laid tire tracks
0: yes, he did. on Clay Matthews most of that game day
1: he destroyed him absolutely destroyed him until ben switched miller off to the other side and and pulled the guard to go to their their backside running play that matthews saw coming made a play on the ball caused the fumble packers go on to win i am absolutely certain as i sit here today if miller stays right by matthews Matthews is, once again, deleted from the play. Rashard Mendenhall probably runs for another six, seven yards plus, like he did that entire drive. The Steelers score, and they win that game. And Rashard Mendenhall is the MVP. Instead of talking about Clay Matthews today, what we're talking about is how Keith Miller got robbed of the MVP of that game because of how dominant he was off the edge, blocking Mm -hmm. that guy who's supposed to make more than right. one play in a game. Instead, Clay Matthews is immortalized forever because he came up with the biggest play of the game. Yep. And hats off to him. I mean, he made a great play. And Heath Miller is, a, is an excellent player. Right. He always was. I'm sure Matthews would say the right. same thing. It's just more the defensive player has two, three opportunities to make big-time plays right. in a game. I'll, I'll and give, the best ones are the ones right. that do that.
0: I'll, I'll give you one for you. Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence yep. Taylor when the Giants won the Super Bowl over the Broncos made the single biggest defensive play of the game on a goal yep. line, on a goal line stand he got Elway right
1: I remember that okay. I you say I remember that play
0: Lawrence I mean it was the single biggest defensive play of the game right other than that Taylor had him for the most part a pretty nondescript day except he had the signature defensive play of the day so, there you go. And
1: amazingly, again, it comes from that edge player. Yep. You know, they, they get paid to make those couple yep. uh, game-shifting plays. And this is kind of a, a, a Belichickian philosophy in that football is won in situations. For the most part, at the pro level, there are, say, 65 plays in a game. Yep. His theory is that, I'm, I'm using simple numbers here, sure. 55 of them are going to be more or less draws mm-hmm. between the two teams. Sure. Pro players... Everyone's getting paid. Coaches are getting paid. They're probably going to fight back and forth. But the difference in the game comes down to those specialty situations, 10, 11, 12 snaps a game. If you win those, you will win the majority of the games that you play. And edge rushers, I I feel, um, and to to some extent, interior defensive linemen dictate that for the defense more than any other spot does because they're the guys that are going to get to the guy with the ball first before they have an opportunity to make a play down the field.
0: Right.
1: Really, if, if you get an interception 30 yards on a test play, it means that your pass
0: rush didn't land.
1: So it, it, it starts up front. To me, it, it, that's going to be the way that it, the game is played forevermore.
0: Well, well and, and one final point of that, and I've made this point a, a lot football is such a team game that if one guy is in the wrong spot or doesn't know what he's doing, it can wreck the entire play. One guy. That's why when they practice it, and one guy can't get it right, they can't use the play. And I, it's like it's amazing. That's how synchronized you have to be in football. All right, thank you so much, uh, and thanks for turning the Steelers down again on the GM thing because <laughs> it really does bail out the station, myself, and this segment every week.
1: Yeah, you know, they're they're persistent. I tell you, next year we'll we'll see if it's the same thing, but. uh you know, you're you're coming with me if I ever take that job. So, we got to discuss terms and everything.
0: Okay. We yeah. You know, we'll at least. How about a contingency plan in case?
1: Sounds good. I All can right. Do that we can work with that.
0: All right, Neil. Thanks. <laughs> thanks, guys.